The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know, in the original screenplay for John Wick, instead of a dog being killed at the beginning, it was an armadillo. <gasps> but <in> the, <laughs> whoa! Yeah, after screen test, it made the audience far too sad, so they changed it to a puppy that was given to him by his dead wife. <laughs> <laughs> Which is comical if you really think about it. Wow. <laughs> For more armadillo-related facts, to find out how you can access episodes a day early, and how you can wear our faces on your body, check us out at (laughs) armadillo.club. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there. Welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I'm Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 52 through 54 of Towers of Midnight, book 13 of the Wheel of Time. You may note that this is different from what I told you last time. Uh, but last time I was just lying. Yeah, just to I just, trick you. Just he, to, he, for power. Yeah, Jeff's our trickster god. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call him. Yeah. Trickster god Jeff. Yeah. yeah, TGJ. Yeah. <laughs> Previously, Perrin turned an execution for high treason into a job promotion. You could argue that this whole thing was just Perrin dressing for the job he wanted instead of the job he has, but I think he probably couldn't have pulled this off without a little bit of help from Fayil. Avienda gets a future memory brain dump from her descendants, telling her to make nice with Shanshan or they will genocide her people into dust. Cool. <laughs> Elaine gains political footing in Kyrian by doing a little nobility asset swapping, while Rand engages in diplomacy with the borderland nobility that involves a surprising amount of face punching. It's like 90% face punching and 10% poetry recitation, but considering what we know about borderlanders, that's actually not surprising at all. That's <laughs> kind of par for the course. I mean, that's kind of their whole deal, right? That's like, like a Saturday in yeah. Saldea. Yeah. yeah. Chapter 52, Boots, icon of the Kyrian Rising Sun. So Elaine travels to Kyrian and meets with those Kyrian and lords. The, the Kyrian and nobles escort her into the palace. Oh, I, I want to point out that there's a little bit here where Elaine kind of gives Brigida a hard time for being, like, moody all the time. And all I could think was, like, I wonder why that could be. Like, yeah. is Elaine trolling her? <laughs> know, right? She's probably gaslighting her, like, what? I'm having a great time. Why are you so moody? We know that some percentage of what Brigida is feeling is coming directly from Elaine's mind. From, from like, magical means, right? Yeah. That's right. And also, she has to deal with Elaine. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he tell, she teleports to Kyrian to get this country merger going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as Elaine gets into the palace, Birgitta finds a poison needle in the seat of the throne. Yeah. Uh, She's right. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> like, but, but literally seconds after she gets there, right? Like, this, this is, everyone saw this coming. I mean, does anybody think maybe she planted it? I mean... You think so? No, I don't. No, actually. I don't think so. <laughs> There's no reason for her to. Well, to get Elaine to listen to her. Yeah, I mean. I, I, she wasn't there long enough, right? Well, she could have been in her hand, right? Oh, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, look, yeah, I found sure. this. Yeah. It yeah. was in my pocket, or whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, either way, if this is what it means to be like ruling in Kyrian, Brigida is fucked, right? Like, <laughs> like assassination attempts are just like. Oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Knife in the back. You know? I, I do think if Brigitte really wanted to kill Elaine, it would already be... It would have happened a long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah It would be so easy for her. <laughs> but other than the poison needle, you could say this is, like, the easiest conquest ever, because she walks in and, like, one of Rand's eyes is like, Hey, uh, you're queen now. 
Yeah. Good We've deal. been keeping this warm for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Elaine gives a lot of thought to how crafty the Kyrian and Arryn, and how she has to manage the situation and that this is her life now. And there's a lot of, I thought, disrespect for Rand's role in giving her this throne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. She yeah. still gets so, like, prideful about it. It's annoying. Right. Just take the throne, right? There's yeah. nothing, nothing wrong with it being given a throne. I mean, maybe it's better to take the throne, but it's still pretty great to be given a throne. I mean, that's, and also that's kind of the most baller push prize ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have your baby. Here's the throne of Kyrian. (laughs) You're going to need a place to sit (laughs) while you're you're heavy with my twins. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, and then uh, Elaine immediately orders them all to get ready for the last battle. Yeah. When she's properly placed her butt in the royal chair. Yeah. Which is, is pretty baller actually. Yeah. It's like, let's do this thing. So then Matt uh, sits and enjoys an army camp, just having a nice evening by himself. He chats a bit with Satal Anan. He also, he looks over Viren's letter again. Like, I feel like every time he takes it out, I'm like holding my breath. Like, is he going to do it? No, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there, there was a pretty funny little scene. He has a, this whole long story about wearing different kinds of boots, and then the other person's like, well, this is really a, an extended metaphor or analogy about da-da-da-da, and he's like, no, I'm just talking about boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was cute. Yeah, I, thought, I, I kind of love that scene. Yeah. Yeah, it, it gets this you know, long boots thing. I also thought it was silly because Matt totally owns several pairs of boots, right? Matt, Matt's a bit of a dandy. We've yeah, agreed. He's, he's a clothes horse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is, this is not accurate. I would say that out of all the men in the series, he thinks about clothing the most. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But then uh, he returns to plotting his Tower of Genjay attack. Chapter 53, Gateways, Icon of the Wheel of Time. Pivara meets with Mazram Tame. Uh, she's on that White Tower mission to go bond some Ashima. Mm-hmm. He won't let them bond like... The primo ones, yeah. Yeah, the good ones. You can have our B-list, Ashaman. Well, it's it's interesting to me because the ones that he... So the ones that he's promoted are the ones that are loyal to him. He won't promote people who are not loyal to him. So in a way, he's ensured that the ones that get bonded are not his inner circle, right? I think the bond would let them figure out that they're dark friends, you know? I was I was wondering what's it, it feels like, like there's yeah somebody would say Demandred and they'd be like they'd have a happy feeling like oh boy Demandred <laughs> not like a scared feeling like they're supposed to right right I mean that that's that's true it, it's uh it's difficult to hide something like that through the water bond Master Tame is so sinister oh yeah. I know like, like Pavara is looking at him and she thinks about how everything about him feels like super predatory right yeah and he's like oh, by the way. We, we've locked the door, so you can't get out. You have to ask permission to get out, and you won't get it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, it's fine. This is like Disney queen level, evil queen level yeah. stuff. Yeah. And Pivara and the other Aes Sedai are kind of arguing over whether they should leave or not. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is getting really, like, Javindra's acting, like, super shady, right? Like, yeah. not wanting to leave. And I, I, my first thought was like, okay, she's Black Aja for sure, right? Yeah. But then she goes to chat with like another one of her pe- her peeps who's also acting super weird, and I was like, 
Oh, yeah. it's compulsion. Is, it's got to be compulsion, compulsion right? Yeah. That's Tarn Affair. I think we're pretty sure she's not like us. Yeah, yeah. So these are these are people that are are good, normally good, but are suddenly uh, acting shady, which makes me think compulsion. Right. So Pavara finally smarts up and just decides to gateway out of there, and she can't. Oops. Yeah, she got dream spiked. Uh oh. Which is interesting. So I I don't remember if I brought this up before, but no one seems to be able to make portals, right? Well, here, yeah. Yeah, except that one dude, right? Yeah, that one dude was doing it. Yeah. He's using portals to, like, cut his <laughs> cut his vegetables or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, she can do other things, though. It's not a dream spike, because the dream spike keeps you from channeling at all. And it says she can do other weaves. I thought it was just... No, no, she just channeling. can't do... No, it's just portaling. Oh, really? Yeah, Oh, yeah. my bad. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. Remember, because it's, like, very specifically the thing that the plot needed to happen in that one scene. Fair enough. People just can't travel right now. Yeah, so I think that's interesting, and I, I wonder if, I, I mean, I assume that's going to be important when there's this one guy who can portal. Yeah. Then we cut to Perrin, who is seeing Matt off on his mission to the Tower of Genjay. And then he travels his whole army to Rand's summit at the fields of Marilor. And uh, there's a whole lot of uh, other armies are already there. It's a real, a real happening spot if you happen to have an army. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting that Perrin actually gets exactly what Rand is about with the Dark One Seals. Uh, and of yeah. course, he expressed it as a blacksmith metaphor. But <laughs> yeah, naturally. Yeah. But, the, but yeah, he, he seems to understand it, you know? Isn't that borrowed from something else, the Fields of Marilor? It sounds a lot like Pelennor Fields. Pelennor, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the king. What, what? Hey, hey? That guy? Yeah. And not, what? It, <laughs> <laughs> king Pelennor. Who? Wasn't that, isn't that a thing? And he would go after the, the, the fabled creature, King Pelinor. I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, never mind. I'm super high right now. Andra. <laughs> yeah. Must be it. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of the, the Pelinor fields in Tolkien, which is okay. the, the, the land outside of Gondor where the big battles happened. Okay, because there was a King Pelinor that was a different thing from mythology. Oh, was it? And he was a guy who would, he was, he was the only one who could kill the... Some magical creature. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know that okay. one. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Anyway. Well, it wouldn't be the first name that Robert Jordan has sort of borrowed from uh, Tolkien, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? No. <coughs> Mount Doom. That's <coughs> <Excuse laughs> right, the Doom Mountain or whatever. Yes. And a parent, yeah, parent's on Rand's side, and he he's sort of reviews his troops as they go by him. He's got kind of a crazy army at this point, right? Yeah. He wasn't even trying. Yeah. He's got like foot soldiers. He's got archers. He's got heavy cavalry and lancers. And he's got his Ashman artillery, right? He's got like one of the most substantial armies in the world right now, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. He thinks to himself, these people seem a lot happier now that I've accepted, you know, being their lord. I have no idea how they can tell how I, what I'm feeling, you know? They can't even smell my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> And then Matt, Tom, and Noel are at the Tower of Genjay, finalists. Yeah. The Finalist. cover scene. <laughs> yeah. For uh, the, okay, I gotta say, for a book called The Towers of Midnight, we took a pretty long damn time to get to these fucking tower. Well, so far we're only at one tower, yeah. right? Well, that's true. So what's, wait, Towers what's, of Midnight. You what's, count the Black Tower, but there's no tower there really, right? At the Black Tower, they haven't built it yet. Or yeah. It's in progress. They just call it the Black Tower. So what are the Towers of Midnight? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe Egwene's Tower, the, the White Tower? There's only one of those two. I know, there better be another tower somewhere in the, this last few chapters or I'm going to be mad. <laughs> the towers of the Malkyrie, since he's going around and like doing Aren't there seven of those? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and that would, I mean, if it was like, I guess nighttime when they showed up, that would, be, yeah. <laughs> that would fit. 
I've been waiting this whole book to find out what these towers are. <laughs> I yeah, I I'm, I'm I'm puzzled. This world is full of towers though. There's towers in Kyrian. That's true. We have seen the topless towers of Kyrian. Yeah, but like those weren't necessarily crucial to this book, right? Like that was something that happened a couple books ago. I just feel like you should introduce some, like at least two new towers to satisfy the, <laughs> the promise that the Tylus. <laughs> and they should either be midnight or they should be you know dark in color or something, right? Obviously, midnight right. towers. Possibly they're on a giant clock. <laughs> oh, that would work. If it's a giant clock, I'd accept the Towers of Midnight. The, the names of the books are not always important. Look at Knife of Dreams and oh. Crossroads of Twilight. Wait, what, what was the Knife of Dreams? It's the, the Dream Spike, wasn't it? Wasn't Wait. there an actual Knife of Dreams? No, not in that book. That Knife of Dreams was book 11. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was in some prophecy somewhere. Oh, no, no. It was that knife that uh, they uh, stabbed in the dreams. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then they, he, has to, he has to go in and make a prophecy in, 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 before every book to, to justify the title. <laughs> well, and yeah. then the, the dragon will bend fate to his will and men will tremble to behold him. Knife of dreams! <laughs> <laughs> He's just got like some dice and throws something of something. Yeah. So they're there. Uh, Noel has dressed in an out, strange outfit that even Matt has never seen before. <laughs> He's got a, a staff that looks like it's been a staff longer than it's been a tree. It's so old. I wonder if his friend told him about it. His cousin. Yeah, you know, right. Jane Farstrider. must have borrowed that from his cousin. He must have. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tom uh, does the thing they figured out. He draws a, a triangular doorway with a bronze knife on I, the tower. I mean, they clearly have no idea what they're doing. He's like, oh, I'll just draw a triangle on it, I guess, yeah, right? That's <laughs> what I would have done. He's like, that triangle is too small. <laughs> yeah, it makes a little fist size. <laughs> okay, let's do that again. <laughs> Gonna need a bigger triangle. And they head into a weird room. Oh, I love the description of this place. Yeah, it's all black and shiny, but it's not stone and it's not glass, and there's pink smoke all around. I think it's cool that it's like it's very different from the the place that Matt was last time. Like each of these places is a little bit different, even though he's in the same place. You know. Yeah. You know what this made me think of the whole time is hmm. the movie Alien. Oh yeah. You know where they have the kind of black chitinous walls of stuff they put over everywhere and there's steam everywhere in those movies. Kind of like Geiger-esque. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they head down a weird hallway where everything is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and they get lost immediately. Yeah. It's like, unsurprisingly, nothing makes sense here, right? Yeah. They, they walk into a room and they walk back and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Noel tries to make a map and Matt doesn't even try. He's like, yeah, it's not going to work. Come on. But... Oh, oh, there's a kind of a fun throwaway thing here. Matt asks Tom if he knows Birgitta's story, and uh, he asks it a couple different ways, and Tom's like, oh, there's a story of this uh, this person who died here, or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what? Not yeah. a happy ending. Yeah, she, she was in a maze, and then she died like a few feet away from where she was trying to get to. Why do you ask about that story? Huh. <laughs> Why is that relevant? <laughs> yeah. Not important. Elmiara and the Shadow Eyes. That's right, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So Birgitta's not totally forgotten. That's great. Then a fox guy shows up and tries to bargain with them. He tries to get them to leave their stuff behind. And it almost kind of works because he sort of kind of hypnotizes them, but then Tom plays some music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and puts the guy to sleep. Yeah, it's like, it seems like such a reasonable, hold on now, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, why do I need fire? <laughs> yeah, so uh, puts the thing to sleep and then Matt rolls the dice, except actually literally this time. <laughs> yeah, he says, ah, oh, let's use my luck to find a way through, and he starts rolling the dice to decide where to go, and then just dice rolls his way through this entire labyrinth, and it totally works. 
and Noel's in there to be the naysayer the entire time so Matt can prove him wrong. Every <laughs> yeah. time. Important. Right? Yeah. That's not going to work at all. Come on, Noel. Yeah. <laughs> you've, been, you've been with Matt long enough to know that his stupid bullshit plans actually always work. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it sounds stupid, but for some reason it's going to work. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I thought it was, honestly, I thought it was stupid, like from a narrative standpoint. Having him roll the dice? Yeah, because if he's relying on his luck in this way, then it's not really luck anymore, right? Like, it's, his luck is cool when it's actual random chance causing crazy things to happen to him. Yeah. But if it's just Matt can, dis- can make any decision with no information because he just does luck, that's kind of, I don't know, less interesting. Yeah. How, what would you think would be a better way to solve this ridiculous puzzle thing? Well, the Robert Jordan Matt would just get really mad and start shouting and pick a random direction out of spite, and then it would work. <laughs> that's a good point, yeah. But he wouldn't, like, think consciously, I'm just going to use luck. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. This is kind of video game logic, really. Yeah. So chapter 54, The Light of the World. Icon of the snake triangle thing. The snake and fox triangle. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. That's a cool one. Yeah, so we have our heroes. I'm not a hero. Uh, gathered <laughs> in a creepy-ass room again. <laughs> right, another different creepy-ass room. The room, the creepy-ass room that they were looking for, maybe? Un- unclear? Yeah. And they in, in they do find the melted portal. Yeah, the so, glorified portal from book nine, I think, or yeah, yeah, nine yeah. books ago or whatever. And I was like, you know, you guys really should you should inspect that closely to see if there's any, you know, Maureen in there. <laughs> 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 well, look, we're not sure she's not a bit of the portal group. Right? You know, we don't know. We don't know. She wrote that letter long you know. We spent a long time pretty confident that she was portal group. Let's just find out, right? Let's be sure. Let's <laughs> yeah. be sure. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they they make it to the 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 bargaining room. Oh no, sorry. Oh no, no, because they're in they're in yeah yeah. yeah yeah. This is like at that point the eel fins show up and yeah. it's super. They, they dial the creepy up to like eleven. Yeah, <laughs> they're surrounded by shadows and the things are using the shadows and dashing in and out of the light uh, and trying to like you know kill them and take their skin. Yeah, they call themselves the near ancient, the warriors of final regret, the knowers of secrets. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's sweet. I'm yeah. kind of like. I was on Matt's side totally up to this point. Now I'm 50-50. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> this kind of one that's pretty cool. They, they faint attacks. Uh, Matt and his team are able to use their iron and fireworks <laughs> to, to make a break and I, get out of there. I know. It's a, a very Matt plan. He shoots off a firework and then spins in a circle and runs in a random direction. And then that's, that, that gets <laughs> yeah. him going. So this is a more Matty plan, in, in my opinion. Is he, he just like... Freaks out and charges in a random direction, and that mm. happens to be the right one. Also, the explosives. Yeah, the explosives, totally. Yeah, Matt's all about those fireworks. Oh, I also, I also love that there's a point where uh, Tom tags one with a dagger, and they see someone's blood, and it steams with screaming faces. I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right then. Yeah, they, uh, they talk to him. They try and get him to like do a deal with them, but Matt's like, no, 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 this isn't the deal room. You're not going to get me. Yeah, that's interesting. I, he, he. He's cleverer than you often give him credit for, for like remembering what he did, you know, knowing knowing the things. Yeah. And then they then after running in a random direction, they make it to the the room of bonding or whatever, the, the deal room where deals are binding. Yeah. And Maureen is there. She is. Floating in burning mist. Yeah, like a Zelda princess. <laughs> That's right. And Tom's like YOLO and pulls her out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt sticks his hand and like, that shit's hot, man. Don't touch that. And Tom's like, eh. yeah. He reaches and he grabs her, which makes me think, like, either it's the power of love that allows him to do this thing that Matt couldn't, or was it actually that hot, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> it's like not that bad, you know. Yeah. It's like uncomfortable, but Tom's like, dude, come on. <laughs> right. So they, they grab her, 
and then Matt begins to bargain with them. The, he, he demands, you know, a way out and no tricks, and the foxes can't kill him or anything before they make it out. And they're like, yes, but the price you must pay is already set. Yeah, so Matt actually does quite a bit better this time on making his deal, right? Yeah, this is solid, actually. Yeah. In fact, for Matt, this is really good. <laughs> I mean, it's still a little, like, sloppy and ridiculous, but hey, you know, it covers the bases. That's the yeah, important I mean, thing. Well, I mean, I think, like, book three Matt or something would have been like, all right, but you're not going to get me this time. You also have to promise not to hang me from a tree from a magic spear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steal. <laughs> gotcha. Wait, what? Shit. Yeah. Uh, but it works, but uh, Matt already kind of knows what the price is of the deal. Uh-huh. They give up half the light of the world. Uh-huh. Uh, and that would be his eye. So uh-huh. they, they, they tear it out. It's yeah. not like, a, hey, we're not going to get like a, you know, a cauterizing thing and burn it out. Yeah, nope. they nope. just snatch it out like pie may. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You and know, I, I got I to say, these Tavarin are losing bits left and right, like... I think parents should watch out because someone's coming after his left nut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you gotta say, there's only like, what, like 2.9 Tavarin left? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, Rand lost his hand. Yeah, Matt lost an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Parents gonna lose. I mean, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. He, he lost his wolf buddy, I guess. That, does that count? No. Uh, no he lost his axe. That's true. That's more a part of him, right? I'm still upset about that axe. I'm more upset about that axe than I am about Rand's hand. Yeah, I mean, that, that axe was. I mean, that's a really nice axe, right? And he's yeah. had it since, like, book one. Yeah, right. It's got personal significance, right? It was made by his, his master, the yeah. or blacksmith guy. Yeah. Well, anyway, Matt screams a lot, and then he screams some more, and they just love it. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're like, like savoring it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is delicious. <laughs> this is creepy. It gets real creepy. Yeah. <laughs> this is so creepy. Yeah. They're, like, sniffing him and, like, breathing his, like, pain in. And they're like, and it's not, it's not just the pain. It's that he's so cool. And, like, his pain is so great. And he's so cool. And, oh, it's delicious. Yeah. I, presumably, they're going to have to mop up afterwards. Those <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. floors are going to be a mess. Uh, and all I can say is, Maureen better be freaking worth this. <laughs> I know, right? I, like, I've never had my eye plucked out by a... a a fox person, but I can assume it'd be pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice. I mean, he should have made anesthetic part of the deal, yeah, actually. Yeah. And you have to give me, you know, just like mild anesthetic, at least something topical, you right, know? Yeah. Uh, I bet since they did it with claws, it's going to leave a really cool scar, though. That's true. Probably. Matt yeah. has that look. Yeah, true. I, I mean, what is Maureen, what is, what is she possibly going to do that's going to justify this? Like, that she's oh. going to save the world, right? Well, I know one thing that she's going to do, and Tom's going to have a great time with it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but it wasn't she's just gonna, for Moraine. Brock Tom's world. That's the world she's going to save. That's right. Because yeah. he's, he's understanding he has to do it to save the world, not just Moraine. That's true. I'm just wondering exactly how she's going to save the world, because... He, like, sa- he says that I, he knows that she's got something left to do. I mean, he doesn't know what it is, obviously. I, I guess up until this point, I thought that she was going to be with the one that was going to get through to Rand. Yeah, that's a good point. But, but Rand, at this point, is already... You know, he's yeah. he's Randolph the the white or the light, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Like she's an advisor. She she knows things that a lot of people don't know because she's done extensive studying. So maybe she has some crucial piece of information that Rand needs. Yeah. But I don't know. I just want to say Matt has been the most selfless one of everyone. Kinda, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right? and brave. He sure sure seems pretty fucking heroic. Gotta say, I mean, uh-huh. it's gonna be real hard not to like be a hero at this point <laughs> where you went traipsing through the other dimension and, and did a deal with the whatever after going head to head with the golem yeah and banishing right? him into the whatever it's yeah, in now in- intentionally yeah. yeah 
I got, yeah, I gotta say, of the of the three of them, he's the one, not the dragon and born, he's the one who has all the fucking legends about him, right? Like, the Raven Prince. Yep. Yeah. That's a good point. Then they grab Moraine and skedaddle. It's time to go. Yeah. The way out is clean and clear and straight, and exactly, exactly as the deal was struck. Except. Uh, yeah, Matt is adjusting to being one-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. Not so easy. Yeah, death perception is a real problem. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> about that deal. Yeah. So yeah. The deal was the foxes couldn't mess with them, but he made no deal about the snake people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I get. So I was wondering up until now if they were in a different plane or a different dimension. That's what I thought. I thought that they were like it was the warp and weft. You know, they were they were in a different dimension from the real world, but they were also in separate dimensions from each other. That's kind of what I thought. But, yeah. But apparently not. They're yeah. here, and they are, uh, for some reason, in the mood to eat some humans or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the foxes gave them a call. Listen, we did this deal. We can't eat them. You want to? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's the son of battles. Really good, primo. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, we just had a whew, real nice taste. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they even eat that eye, or do they just, like... I, they, they eat emotions and feelings, right? So they don't so, even care about the eye. Yeah, it's more the, the thing that was caused by taking the eye. It, it, it's interesting. I wonder if... Uh, I, I couldn't tell from the way they were writing, from the way it was written, but I got the impression that it, it's worse than just him losing his eye somehow. Like, he said that it... He said that it was like seeing through, like, a, a, a blacked window or something like that. So I wonder if what? something else has, been happen- has I happened. I don't know. When you only have one eye, does it, does it make the world look... Dimmer. I mean, I, I, as I understand it, you your brain adjusts pretty pretty rapidly to it, and right. you just you know you just do your thing. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could also be the all that those fireworks that he was setting off at close range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Not good for your ears. Not good for your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I really dug those chapters. I, I love the the other dimension and you know their adventures there. Yeah, it was neat. It was a little. Short. It was short. All this build up. It did yeah. happen very quickly. Uh, I mean, you know, we we had a lot of book, and they didn't spend as much of that book on the you know, the tower as I expected. Oh, the three spires that he sees in the world. Those could be the towers of midnight. Oh, uh, black spires. Oh, yeah, but they didn't go there. Well, he was in one. He had oh, been in one. Oh. He looked out the window and he's like, "Oh, I'm in one of the towers." Oh, you're totally right. He, he looked at the camera and said, "Remember those towers from the fourth book?" <laughs> <laughs> You know, I forgot that part. You're totally right. So they probably were in the Towers of Midnight. Mm-hmm. It's, cool. it's, I mean, that was a pretty, that was a pretty like minimum reference to the title of the chat. But yeah, sure, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the he's the one-eyed Prince of Ravens. My God, he is. Yeah. He just gets cooler and cooler. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. He's he's by far the most heroic of all the characters. Yeah. What is he gonna do when people ask him how he lost his eye? Like, ah, uh, other dimension thing. <laughs> you know the Snakes and Foxes game? Well, it's based on a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those interdimensional monsters. Well, he took my eye as part of this deal to save this this, uh, this Aes Sedai who was trapped in another dimension. It's not a big deal, guys. I'm not a hero, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> I don't even like Aes Sedai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this point where he's like, fairly complicated feelings about Moraine, right? Like... <laughs> You know, on the one hand, she's horrible, and you know she's done all these. She's nice to die and hate nice to die, but she did save my life, and you know she got me out of the two rivers. It's complicated, you know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, hopefully they'll be able to see eye to eye now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess Matt's kind of officially an organ donor now, right? Yeah, that's true. Save yeah, yeah. Life by donating an organ. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So he's like, 
He's like a hero even in real world terms, right? Uh-huh. He's like be the hero. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a hero on every level. Yeah. It's interesting how he borrowed so much from Odin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the ravens, the, the eye. Yeah. The trickster. Yeah. yeah. The, the crafty person. Yeah. 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 The spear. Yeah. That hanging from the tree. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Yep. We have a question from Jeremy who emailed us and asked, why do you think Gawain has so much point of view time in the last two books? According to the wiki, he had about 8,400 words from his POV before The Gathering Storm. In The Gathering Storm, he had 20,000 words by itself and another 17.4,000 from Tower of Midnight. Weird. After answering that, do you think it was the right decision to up his screen time? Well, I would say that was about 20,000 words too many. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, I, I think the best possible way to write Gwyn would, would be like, okay... He comes on screen, he trips over a log, like falls on like a stick that goes into his eye and he just dies immediately. Like, oh man, Gwen, that's... Just... Okay. And then the Gwen looks at the camera and says, luckily I did one of those water bombs that doesn't make you want to kill yourself. <laughs> I just invented that. <laughs> like, what, what, what positive has he added to the story? Let's think of it that way. What, he um, did save a Gwen. He saved a Gwen. those blood knives. Like, one of the times he did legit save Egwene. Uh-huh. But he also... Okay, hold on now. He wouldn't have had to save her if he hadn't revealed her trap from the first time that that one blood knife tried to get caught. Maybe. There were three of those dudes, though. So that, like, three of them would have... Like, one of them would have got caught and the other two would have killed her. Right? Yeah, but it would have set off an alarm. That was, like, the point of that trap, right? I guess so. I think they still would have caught her. I don't, I don't know. I think... I mean, he, he found out who they were, what they were about. He got there in time. He fought three of them. Three of the best the Shanchan Empire has to offer. <laughs> I think we've decided the Shanchans are kind of lame. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they ain't shit. It's yeah. clearly the thing, right? Three, yeah. three blood knives, three of their ultimate assassins cannot defeat one Gawain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, one uh, Camelin fuckboy. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah, he's a decent swordsman, they claim, right? But like, come on, man, come on. I, okay, so from a narrative standpoint, I think what Gawain provides is he provides a view on what's going on with the White Tower during the split, yeah, right? Yeah. Like kind of a neutral view. Um, he's also, there's like some drama with him being torn between the White Tower and behind his love and all that stuff. I think that stuff is all kind of falls a little bit flat because the reason he has all that drama is because he just doesn't know what's going on at any time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's making bad decisions. Like, they're all, remember, he's made <laughs> continuous bad decisions, right? Like, he... He sided with Elida in the tower. He killed the, that one like badass warder who was training everyone, right? Didn't uh, he kill that guy, Hamar? He, he did, yeah, yeah. Hamar guy did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that we need a perspective on Egwene that is not Egwene. You know, because she's so driven and full of herself that it's really useful to see what she looks like from the outside. You could literally pick any sister, right? Like, you could pick the, the one who ends up being her... Uh, the red who becomes her um, keeper of the seals. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Good, but you've already got Gawain on deck. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, if if he fell on that log and, and <laughs> skewered himself on that stick on the ground and killed himself... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably be fine. Yeah, you're right. This, these, are, these things are all replaceable. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I don't know why they forced in a relationship for Egwene, because if anybody doesn't need one, it's her. I, I think that yeah. might be one of the things that annoys me the most, actually, is like that... I don't feel like Egwene needed a romantic relationship. But you could say that about all these characters, right? Well, that's, that's, I think that's really a Robert Jordan thing. Almost a Robert Jordan trademark is that there's, there's a lot of romance in these books. 
I think it's something we've talked about before, how it's weird how everyone was pairing off, like even early on, you know? Yeah, but when you look at like Swan, and we're not going to talk about the TV show because the TV show's dumb, but like <laughs> Swan didn't have relationships until after she wasn't Omerlin Seat anymore, and she did just fine. She was a badass Omerlin Seat. Yeah. Well, up until a point. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> there were some flaws in her. Yeah, but she, she was wasn't. She wasn't stilled because she didn't have a boyfriend. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I just it, it's a, it's a little insulting, really. Like the I said, I don't have to have relationships with men. Don't have to have romantic relationships with men. And usually don't. Like it's it's pretty uncommon for them to. Yeah. So why did they have to give Egwene one when she's like the baddest ass who ever badassed around the White Tower? And Maybe she, this is her flaw, right? Everybody has their one flaw. Yeah, her flaw is this incredible doofus that she keeps around. Yeah, yeah. She keep she can't can't quit him. <laughs> yeah, she's like fucking around and like messing up her plans. She's like, oh well, I guess I gotta deal with this. She just, oh man, she just she could have she could have solved it so long ago by just like kicking him to the curb. Yep. But uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I'm trying to remember. I know Gwen doesn't have an Aja because she's the Amalyn seat, but she was going to be blue, right? No, she's going to be green. Was she going to be green? Yeah. Okay, I knew Elaine was going to be green, but I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. I would also say that it's possible. It's possible for a character that sucks to become a character that's cool, and that arc is really cool, right? Yeah. Like Matt sucked in the first three books or something like that. Yeah. The first two books. Yeah. And then he turned it around, and some of the same traits that made him such a craphead uh, made him an awesome dude. Really fun to read about later. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I know that not everyone agrees, so I think I think Egwene is a pretty controversial character, but I, I felt the same way about her. I thought she was really irritating for, oh man, at least the first half, maybe like the first three quarters of the books, but at this point, I, she's one of my favorites to read, just because mm-hmm. like all the stuff that she's, all the cool shit that she's doing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, all, so, yeah. Of, all of the things that made her irritating got backed up. Like, she really does have the skills and the power. Yeah. But uh, I, would you would you say that could be true of Gawain? Do you think we're going to find ourselves... Do you think we're going to find that he's redeemed somehow and we actually like him in the end? I think he's already supposed to have been redeemed at this point. <sighs> like, I, like, I think that the stuff he did to fight off the blood knives... Yeah. I was thinking Dark Blades. That would have uh, been a cooler name. But no, yeah. it's, it's fine. <laughs> to fight off the blood knives and, you know, getting over his, you know, Prince of Andor thing and deciding to just be Egwene's right-hand guy. That, that's his arc. So I guess a related question would be, if you were to cut all the Gwyn stuff out just completely and replace it with nothing, would the books be worse or better? That, okay, so so yeah, Gwyn, 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 did he serve like a practical purpose in the in, in any at any point in the narrative? Like, uh, so an essential three, purpose. Yeah, sorry, an essential purpose, right? That that couldn't have been anyone else. And I I think the answer is no. Like his primary. He didn't do any of his Andor stuff, really. Like he hasn't served as the as the the prince who's supposed to be like the sword or whatever. And Elaine kind of like dis like dismissed him from that, and so he hasn't done any, any Andor stuff. He hasn't done he didn't do much like youngling stuff, right? Like as a youngling, did he did he do anything notable other than leading those younglings around? Well, yeah, he he led the younglings in the the rebellion or yeah. against the rebellion, and and kind of. If he hadn't done that, probably the tower, the rebellion would have won on day one. Yeah. Right? I think they said that. Yeah. Because he did that. That's why Swan ended up being stilled and deposed. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Because yeah. gotcha. he killed all the warders or all the warders that stood against them. Oh, that's right. Interesting. Uh, and he, he did help Sh- Swan escape. So that's maybe the, the trade-off there, right? Yeah. He did that. <sighs> yeah. 
I yeah, I, I guess it's hard for me to hard for me to say that he served anything. Like I think if you cut out his POV chapters, and then you just see him from Egwene's perspective, where he's this guy that you know she had a fling or a, a thing for, right? When they they you know they have a romance after they met each other for five minutes or whatever. Right? Yeah. Uh, but then you know they're on the opposite sides of this war, and she comes back, and and. Uh, She's not sure if she can trust him, you know, he doesn't fight against her in the war, his loyalties are questionable, and so she keeps him at arm's length for a while, and then he saves her life, right, during that climax in the fight with Masana. And she's like, actually, I can't trust this guy. Uh, that's pretty solid by itself, if you don't know the stupid things he's thinking. And, that's a good point. And you forget about the stupid things he says to her. Yeah. <laughs> if he was just like, oh, he was just, okay. At birth, his tongue was cut out. He's a mute character. He never talks. <laughs> he's just like the silent... I mean, like, that That would actually add a lot to his appeal if he's just this, like, silent guardian guy, right? It makes sense, because you, you can still say Gawain with no tongue, right? Go in. Go in. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, good question. Yeah, that was a fun one. So, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 55 through the end, the epilogue of Towers of Midnight. I am Jeff Lake, that's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan, that's Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman, I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please find out how you can buy sweet merch or just give us your dollars directly uh, at armadillo.club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The the light light illumine you. you.